0: Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast, I'm your host Taylor, and today we are ranking every perimeter defender in the NBA Finals. So this is a brand new stat, this is hot off the presses, it's actually not even on the website as of this recording, we just finished polishing it this week. And so if you don't know, we do have perimeter stats on the website, but this is an all-in-one. Like right now, you can look at how well someone defends in isolation, how well a player handles ball screens, uh, and then we off-ball chaser, which is chasing around shooters, and then we had matchup difficulty, which is like how good of a player you're guarding all the time, right? And then on top of that, we have defensive playmaking. You know, you got steals, deflections, offensive fouls drawn, all that. So... All those stats are great, but it's a lot easier if you throw them all in a blender, hit blend, and then pour out a nice, easy list to go down. And everything's like weighted accordingly. Everything's not weighted the same, obviously. You know, we, we mathed this out. There was uh, some uh, some mathening going on at Basketball Index <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, but really, really excited about these stats because perimeter defense for like the longest time was one of those things. A lot of smell tests. You know, a lot of eye test watching like not very many games. So uh, it's interesting. It's fun to see the players at the top of the list. To see players that I have like an intimate knowledge with. So obviously, I know like the Laker players better than the rest of the league just because I watch them so much more. So when you actually, fun story, fun little caveat story. Um, uh, like the, the end of that thought is that I obviously know how like their strengths and weaknesses a lot better. So all those individual perimeter defensive stats, like I talked about, like isolation defense, uh, handling ball screens, chasing. Matchup Difficulties is another one where it's like, you know, which which Laker player do they put on, like, you know, the best player. I have a, a really good feel for that. For other teams I watch, like semi-consistently, I have an idea. And then, you know, there's just teams you watch that, like, play in other countries where you're like, I don't know, I don't know a lot about this team. So that's where the analytics can be very helpful. But long story in the Wayback Machine, so I originally worked for Major League Baseball, and then I started going on, or actually no, this was before that. This is when I worked in radio, sports radio in San Diego. I was looking for an angle to get on air and analytics was was coming along, mostly in baseball, but a little company by the name of Pro Football Focus had popped up and I had seen it cited in some articles. And at that point, Chargers were in San Diego. They're no longer here, but I was a very, very big Charger fan, watched all of their games, like was a pretty hardcore like I rewatched <laughs> plays as just, uh, well, I mean, people do that for their job, but they were like, it, I worked at a sports radio station, I was not like an on air person, you know. I think I worked in promotions at the time, but uh, I would you know, rewatch games, like, I had, I had a very good feel for who was good, who was not good. And I remember looking at the so a little bit different, they have analytics stuff, but then they also have like a grading system, and I remember. Seeing it cited and being like, oh, there's like a pass blocking grade on here and I you know I'll just be honest. I'm not an offensive line guru Like that was not my strength analyzing the Chargers. very rarely like in most of the time you see in the newspaper They talk about the offensive line as like a unit So I don't know if they do every newspaper but growing up or I guess no one really has a newspaper anymore But growing up there would be columns and they would rank each position. They give them like a letter grade every week and I remember my dad would read it and it would be, you know, defensive line B, offensive line C. So, like, that's kind of, that would be the the beat writers kind of grade of them for the game. And I thought that was a really cool concept. And that was about as, like, zoomed in on offensive line as I would really get. You know, you spend more time on the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, maybe, you know, the the big time defensive players. But the reason I'm saying that is I remember going on and looking at all the PFF data and that was sort of my angle to get on air where it's like I'm the analytics guy. They gave me the nickname Taylor Metrics where it was like this guy just keeps talking about numbers. That nickname has stuck. I still 10 years later still talking about numbers nonstop. But it passed the the eye test, the smell test, whatever you wanted. Like where I was like, OK, the players I think are good are good on this site and like the, the not famous players uh are the ones I think are good seems to be grading pretty well have pretty good numbers the ones I don't think are really that great like I was like oh this this lines up enough with what I'm seeing where I'm like oh this could be really really useful and offensive line play was one of those things where I was like yeah I don't really know like Chris Dealman, I don't know if anyone's in San Diego that'll be a blast from the past uh what who are some other can I name any other chargers offensive linemen a oh, tip of my tongue I know I can see what they look like but I know his first name, Nick, was the center. Nick, I blanket on the last name. But whatever. The the point of the story is analytics can be really helpful for once you trust the analytics company. And if like if you're listening to the basketball index <laughs> podcast, you probably like our stats for the most part, or you hate listening. But either way, I'll take the download. I will take the download. Um, if you want to hate tweet at me at Taylor metrics, because I mean, that's really what I'm trying to get. I talk to people a lot also like all the time. I'm trying to get as many people hating me on Twitter as possible, because I feel like that's really a mark of you making it right. If there's enough people to hate what you do, there's got to be some people liking it because there's people looking at it, people listening to it. Uh, but this whole big, long caveat story, whatever you want to call it, is that analytics are useful for things that are. Difficult to kind of suss out that are super high repetition. That also are, how would I describe it? Basically, the idea is whether it's offensive line play or perimeter defense, you have to watch a tremendous amount of plays. And when you do that, because I have done some of it in, in both sports, you realize that defensive highlights are great and you, you you want your players that you think are, are good or that you like or that on the team you want, you do want them making defensive highlights, but you realize how many plays in basketball or snaps in football where like either nothing happens or it's not really a great play to decide. Like, like you, you give them a zero. You don't give them a plus or a negative. Like there's a lot of plays where it's like, oh, well, like you're just, you're not really in this or whatever it is and then there's a lot of other plays where it's like oh you handled that like you handled that well you, you didn't you, you didn't strip the ball from the player you didn't block the shot you didn't do something really really loud but it's like oh like you contain this like the, the, you, you played solid defense or a lot of times just like in the pick and roll you just like stayed in the play the entire time or like chasing shooters around it's like people aren't just getting loose it, it's kind of like the offensive lineman thing it's like well they didn't give up a lot of sacks <laughs> so I guess this this uh, this is pretty good that's like the macro way of looking at it but then the micro is like there's a lot of play there's a lot of like screen passes where it's like okay well like you're not gonna give up a lot of pressures on screen passes because like the play just doesn't last long enough and all that being said it's just offensive line and perimeter defense are difficult things to kind of suss out they take a lot of time and this is a really fantastic shortcut because the players I do spend a lot of time on or the vice the vice versa however you use that <laughs> happens where if there's a player that grades out very very high in these things i'll actually go watch them and i'll just fire up a playlist and watch like a hundred plays of them on the perimeter and i will be like well does does this stat working correctly is this player actually good at it yada 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 um, but perimeter defense we're ranking all the players really quick going to get into the criteria of how the perimeter defensive stats work because. They've done a lot of studies and I, they do this a lot on TV and they shouldn't, where it's like the, the, the closest player, when the, the player shoots the ball, the closest defender gets credit on like whether that, that shooting percentage basically goes in or not. Or it's like, if you're the, the standing closest to Jokic or you're standing closest to Jimmy Butler, that's how they assign when Jimmy Butler goes five for 10 against you in a game. That's how they do it. Which like, if you play basketball, there's a lot of like handing off of things and like It's just not a great way to do it. So here at Basketball Index, we look at how much you suppress attempts, which is obviously good. If you can't get a shot up, you're probably playing pretty good defense. And then lowering of shot quality, where it's like, okay, if there's a hand in your face every single time, I think of the Shane Battier example, where like, I don't know what Shane Battier's defensive metrics are, because he played in a time like before we were gathering a lot of these, but I would venture to guess they were pretty good because he was lowering shot quality consistently heavy heavy contests over and over and over again in isolation so that's the mark of a good defender right now in the way we're measuring it i think it's a pretty sound process i think the results are pretty good but that's how when we're talking about defending in isolation on the perimeter or in pick and roll or chasing shooters? Are you suppressing attempts? Because that is good. And are you lowering shot quality? Or the opposite. <laughs> is the shot quality just like clear as day when you're defending? Because you're probably not doing a great job. And then over the course of, you know, many possessions, this stuff really starts to uh, kind of accumulate in the way. Like a perimeter defense isn't something that like you can't look at 10 possessions. It like doesn't really tell you enough. So the the bigger the sample, obviously, the better. So that's why we're going full season sample here. So we have, like I talked about, there is a perimeter defense element to it. And then there's also a defensive playmaking element to it where it's like if you're getting a lot of steals and deflections and drawing a lot of offensive fouls, that also is going to give you value. So we ranked every single player in the league. And obviously, the finals are going, you know, just a quick 10-minute getting into the episode. <laughs> I'm looking at my timer now. Just a, a real brief 10-minute <laughs> getting to the uh, the meat of the episode. Uh, we ranked every player, and I wanted to look at the defensive shells of the teams in the finals, talking about the Heat and the Nuggets, because you can go to any podcast, and they can tell you about – the main things happen, like the main storyline. And, we'll, you know, we'll touch on it at the end, but it's like Jokic, they they turned him into a scorer and not a playmaker. He didn't have as many assists and more points. What does that mean? Um, I mean, I, not, there's nothing wrong with that either. Like that that that's all well and good. Sometimes we do that on the show. But I think the angle that makes Basketball Index interesting is we have the data, again, that front offices and agents are using right at our fingertips and sharing that with you in uh, something like the finals is uh, an interesting angle. Like, frankly, there's not a lot of other places you can get. I know data is spreading through the the NBA. Honestly, like you, you actually find other podcasts where they're just citing us. So you you know just come right to the what's that saying? Come right to the horse or whatever. But uh, as I'm I'm looking through my spreadsheets, I'm trying to figure out there. Okay, there it is. I was stalling. It's really hard to. So this is another like podcasting radio thing. You stall for time a lot, whether it's in radio like you have to have breaks on time or in podcasting you'll stall while somebody else pulls something up or sometimes you'll type something to your producer or, like yada, yada yada whatever it is but it's really hard to stall when you're the person solo podcasting because your brain can only do so many things at once and like talking takes up like 90 percent of what your brain can do sometimes i'll be like just like searching for something and, but i'll be doing like a really like if you saw my computer you'd be like what is this person drunk and it's like no no they're just talking." while trying to find this spreadsheet in this like pile and pile and pile of spreadsheets in this folder. Uh, But here we go. We're we're talking about it now. We're ranking every perimeter defender. We talked about the elements. It's being able to guard on the perimeter, which is like a big part of this grade. And then uh, defensive playmaking is another part of this grade. So we'll go through the players. I'll give you the rank of where they finish in the league kind of to give you a general idea, but then just one more quick thing to get into it. When we're looking at perimeter defenders, I was trying to do like some quick math in my head where like the league has changed. You don't really play two bigs anymore. But you don't have like four perimeter defenders on the court, if that makes sense, where there's like you have a point of attack defender. Like our defensive roles are great for this. Like most lineups, you'll have like a perimeter, like a point of attack defender, right? You'll have like probably like a wing stopper or someone. You're like two guys you feel pretty comfortable guarding people. And then you'll have a big on the court. You'll have a helper, which is the person in the corner. And there are times where like, Everyone is guarding the ball, but again, if you're a helper, most of the time you're in the corner you're rotating you're guarding like a stationary shooter you might be like a forward with some size that can kind of help at the rim but you know you'll have like three ish perimeter players that third perimeter player might you know share the point of attack duties there might be another wing stopper just depending on what your lineup's going for uh, but the, the way I generally look at it is you probably want to be in the top 100 of perimeter defenders where you know, it, there's a there's a lot of people. It's kind of like when you look at cornerbacks in football. Like, there's basically three corners on the field all the time, right? And there's like, whatever, 30, 30 or 32 teams in the NFL. It's been a while since I worked in that sport. And you're like, okay, so there's like 90-ish corners that play most of the time. So, like, with that one, you're like, okay, you kind of want to be inside, like, the top. So, you'd be, like, in the top 60 for corners. That will be good. in perimeter defenders, I'm like, hey, if you can be, like, in the top – Top 90, top 100, we'll say like top, yeah, top 90, top 100, like you're a a serviceable NBA perimeter defender. There's a lot of players that aren't very good (laughs) at perimeter defense, and you see those players really struggle to stay on the court when it comes playoff time. So let's get into it. The top rated defender, we're going to do both teams, both the Heat and the Nuggets. And number one uh, player on this list is KCP. He is 18th in the league in perimeter defense. He's a guy who his defensive playmaking really helps him, drives him up the list. Like, still pretty good at guarding on the perimeter, but the defensive playmaking really, really elevates him. 18 for KCP. He's known as a three and D player. He's a good defensive player. Again, he's not just like lock you up on the perimeter. Good, good, savvy, smart defender. But the defensive playmaking is where the value comes from. The deflections, the steals, things like that. So 18th for KCP in the league. You know, you're saying, like if you're a top 10 perimeter defender, like you are just clamping people like you are you don't even want to go near that that's that's like Jaden mcdaniels uh D'Anthony melton alex caruso where it's like you you rather just avoid those guys but kcp is a very good perimeter defender who had an excellent season and then you've seen in the playoffs like i feel like he's had some games where he shot well but he's also defended well so kcp has kind of that uh three and d moniker name and he's definitely earned it so 18th for kcp Uh, Going down the list, now we're going to have the Heat player. So interesting at the the top. It actually alternates Nugget Heat, Nugget Heat at the top. Uh, Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler is 29th in our new just kind of overall perimeter defensive grade. And Jimmy's hard because he's been such a good wing stopper throughout his entire career. Consistently a really, really good defender. And his perimeter defense, some of the stats have been a little lower the last two years. He is a little bit older. He does have a lot of wear and tear on his body. Still 29th is quite good, but he is known for that reputation of being a good perimeter defender. He's really strong. He's really versatile. He can do a lot of things. So there are things like defensive impact wise, be on this like just strict perimeter defensive grade. So I want you to keep that in mind really with everyone on this list. But Jimmy is, uh, you know, obvious one where he's probably not, you know, for just being honest at what is he like 33, something like that. Like he's probably not as good on the perimeter, just strictly guarding players, lowering shot quality than he used to be. Cause again, he's an older player. He has a very large, like offensive load relative to these other players. And you know like he's been doing it forever <laughs> but an interesting thing about jimmy Butler, he's top 10 in defensive playmaking so like part party is like 29 like i don't know that, that actually that's that that seems good to me i'm actually i'm comfortable with that result that that makes sense but he does have that big time defensive playmaking reputation and still he's ninth in the league in defensive playmaking on the perimeter and that's really coming a big value of that is steals for him so you know there's offensive fouls or yeah offensive fouls drawn which are great and there's deflections which can lead to you know killing some clock or setting up another player to get a steal things like that but Jimmy Beller just straight steals is how he gets almost all of his value so all that is very loud it's very very valuable and it leads to a lot of easy offense so there's a lot of value there and his defensive playmaking is super elite still even kind of you know he's not old yet but he's getting close to being old if that makes sense he's near the end of his prime so uh 18 was kcp 29th was jimmy butler those two are really really good perimeter defenders um both of those guys do slant defensive playmaking wise as their value generator but just overall really good like you can put like no one's hunting jimmy butler in isolation you know what i mean (laughs) that's not a not a very good idea uh after that bruce brown uh 43rd on the list so again we're still, I'm trying not to just throw like a ton of numbers at you because I know it's hard sometimes on a podcast or you know, driving or whatever, but these guys are like all in the top 50, KCP, Jimmy Butler, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is one of those guys where he is good. He's also quite versatile. You know, I always talk about like he doesn't have a position. He's just a basketball player, but he guards well. He does play make well. He's actually pretty split very evenly on that. And, you know, it's one of those things where I go back and forth on what you want because, you know, being able to just stay in front of your guy really valuable. Obviously, being able to generate turnovers really, really valuable. But I, I think the answer is you actually want a mix of it on your team, where it's like if you have, you know, all defensive playmakers, but <laughs> nobody's really staying in front of anybody. That's an interesting defense. You're like that Saints defense that won the Super Bowl, where it was like they weren't a very good defense, but they just had a crazy amount of turnover generation. Uh, back in well, what was that was it Drew Brees Saints years early with him maybe. Uh, and then the opposite where it's like you have a lot of players that are really, really great on ball, but there's not a lot of, you know, like the other the problem with that is if you're really, really great on ball, but you don't generate any turnovers I've talked about this like before you are at the mercy of the other team's shot making a little bit. Obviously, you're defending it well, but you could get stuck in a game. You know, the Suns are a good example of this where Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you are playing really good defense, but when you're a top, you know, top 15 player in the world or top 10 player, wherever you want to put them, like sometimes like the reason they're ranked that high is like it just doesn't matter, especially like KD in the mid range. Sometimes it's just like, well, I don't know, this guy's like 611 and never misses in the mid range. So it really doesn't matter that you're in his face. Uh, but Bruce Brown, good, good defender. He was a fantastic pickup for the Nuggets in the offseason. I think he's like making like $6.5 million a year as a really, really good reserve player. I think he's, he's going to opt out of his, I think he's a player option, so he'll probably opt out and get more money on the offseason uh, free agency market this you know, coming off season after the finals, but KCP, Jimmy Butler and Bruce Brown, all in the top 50. After that, Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin at 47th. So right next to Bruce Brown, Caleb Martin, another guy, he's more on the guarding side. He's really, really good staying in front of people, lowering shot quality, really good defending the pick and roll, uh, able to stay in the play, disrupt and uh, obviously suppress attempts. So Caleb Martin, this has been a huge coming out party for him in the playoffs. I know he's sort of Uh, disappeared as a scorer in the first two games of the finals, but has had a fantastic run, had kind of been a three and D guy the last like two plus years. And then obviously has the huge breakout in the playoffs, but a really good defender. So KCP, Jimmy Butler, Bruce Brown, and Caleb Martin, all top 50 guys. I'd say those are the guys you feel really comfortable with where like every year, these stats are going to shake out differently, right? They're not going to be in the same exact slot every time. But these guys are like, OK, I'm comfortable with them being uh, consistent performers. They've showed it for more than one year. These guys are good defenders. So that's interesting because it's split there at the top where it's like the Nuggets guys are a little bit higher overall. Um, but then on top of that, you know, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, the defensive playmaking, especially out of Butler really, really valuable stuff. So at the top, similar rankings on these players. And again, the I'm talking about just rank because it's the easiest way to communicate. Like their, their Z score <laughs> or whatever you look at. Like sometimes you can be you know, 10 spots away and your Z score really isn't like that different. But rank is just the easiest way to communicate. It. So those are top 50 guys. After that, Haywood Highsmith, who phenomenal name, phenomenal name, uh, 67th. He is another heat defender. He is a guy that didn't play a ton in the regular season, but had a D LeBron that was like, whoa, <laughs> this is where analytics is useful because sometimes, you know, you just be going through rosters, looking at the the updated LeBron ranks as they come out throughout the year. And occasionally there'll be a player on offense or defense where, you know, they're not playing a ton. They're young. You know, I, I do watch heat games, but I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you and be like, Oh yeah, no, I have an intimate knowledge of like their 10th, 11th and 12th player off their bench. Cause I don't, but Heywood Highsmith had a deal brawn. That was like, okay, well that, that's something <laughs> that that's something to keep an eye on, like keep tabs on that. Uh, his perimeter defensive grade was, was good this year. 67th again, where this is, I mean, you can – if you knew who he was before this playoff run, tip of the cap to you. You have a very, very deep basketball knowledge. I think most of us didn't. Great name. If you saw that name, you're like, well, that's interesting. But uh, a guy that's had two – Not consistent playing time, but over their last few games has had some big minutes. I think he played like 36 minutes at one of the games in the playoffs, which is pretty crazy. Um, But another good defensive player. After that, we got Gabe Vincent, uh, 80th, where again, good defender. Not going to like light the world on fire, but like you have a solid good defender on the perimeter that has value. You have a couple of these guys. You have Jimmy Butler. You have Caleb Martin. You have Highsmith. You have Gabe Vincent, like all in the top 80. And you're like, okay, like – if we're trying to figure out why the Heat are a good team, why they're in the finals, okay, we're, we're on to something here. I know they had a good defensive rating. I think they were top, I think they might have like the sixth best defensive rating this year where it was like, okay, this team obviously can play defense. You know, a lot of that credit goes to Bam and Jimmy Butler because they are good defenders and they are their star players. But you get into the depth and you're like, okay, Kayla Martin, Highsmith, and Gabe Vincent all really, really solid uh, perimeter defenders and they're they're a mix they don't lean super heavily one way or the other but they're pretty good at guarding and like you know they generate defensive you know, turnovers where it's like okay that's a that's a good combination these players are 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 solid solid perimeter defenders after that Jamal Murray at 85th which was a little bit of a surprise because he hasn't had the greatest defensive impact over his career and it's hard, I don't know, like it's hard with guards where sometimes it's like, is this guy bad at defense or is like, is he just getting switched on to like dudes that are 6'9", and like 240, because that's difficult to defend. Jamal's one of those guys, he doesn't generate very many turnovers, but he's pretty, pretty decent at guarding on the perimeter. Again, nothing amazing, you know, he's not, again, not locking players down. He does get hunted in matchups, even on the perimeter, but just not the, not the end of the world if he's defending there. And I think That's an important thing to keep in mind where it's like, obviously would you like a great perimeter defender in all your players? Sure. But there's going to be trade-offs. He is an explosive scorer. Obviously we've seen him just go nuts in the playoffs. And we talk about this. It comes up with Trey young all the time where it's like, it's great for your, your really good players to, to be good at defense. Sure. But if you can be solid, that's great. But if you can just not be like the worst defender in the league, That is important, and Jamal Murray, pretty solid on the perimeter, decent. Where it's like, it's not, it's not Trey Young out there, and that does have value. And then after that, you know, we're 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 getting into the hundreds, where it's like, uh, Braun, the rookie. If you watch him play, he looks good, big guy, athletic, moves well. And I'm going to chalk up some of this. He was 122nd, and that's pretty low. It's hard when you're a rookie because. You do improve a lot, especially over your first few years. Where like you're just going to get like leaps and bounds better every season. And I'd be interested if you were to take out the first half of the season, how much does his perimeter, uh, overall perimeter defense grade improve? Because I think it would. Obviously, he's in the playoff rotation of a finals team, but at the same time, you do got to be fair. You're like, well, I can't, I can't just pick and choose what month I want to look at for a player. So you know, just not gonna, not gonna try to. Uh, shape a narrative here by cooking the book so I, i'm just giving everybody's whole season number, just trying to be fair here but he was 122nd uh but you watch him play and you're like oh well this this feels better than that and it's gonna probably continue to improve he's an interesting defensive prospect uh after that aaron gordon 129th and you're like well oh, that's weird why is aaron gordon so low he doesn't seem bad at perimeter defense and he's an interesting guy where sometimes he's asked to do things that are really difficult. I don't know what Aaron Gordon's listed at, but I'm going to guess it's like, like six, eight, like two forty five. The dudes huge. And I know last year when they were really short handed, he was like playing point of attack defense. He's like trying to match steps with guys that are like six, two. And it's like, well, that's going to be difficult. But if you dig into the numbers here, again, we talked about, there's like a, There's the overall perimeter defense, and then it's made up with two components, like your ability to guard and then your your playmaking. And Aaron Gordon's ability to guard is pretty good. So he's ranked 129th in the perimeter defense, right, where you're like overall and you're like, "Eh, that's not great, but he's a versatile piece. But if you look at just the guarding, it's like, oh, he's like in the 80s where it's like, oh, okay, that's that's like pretty respectable. And then you think about the versatility, what he can provide around the rim the different types of players he can guard because like it's just way harder to suppress shots on dudes that are like 6'9 or 6'10 or it's like if you're 6'4 and you know you're a few inches taller like you're, you're guarding someone at 6'4 and you're 6'7 like you might be able to suppress that a little easier but you're playing like Kevin Durant or his teammate Michael Porter Jr very hard to suppress those shots because they're so tall uh, but if again, you, you look into the data, this happens all the time where you're like, that's a, that's a, an, an output I wasn't expecting. But then you dig into the components and you're like, oh, it's cause he's like, made, there's zero defensive playmaking. Not only is there zero, it's like a big negative, but he's like pretty good at guarding on the perimeter. And then after that huge drop down Kyle Lowry at 204th and Kyle Lowry, traditionally good defensive player, but is very very old. He's like forty eight. He's very very old. However, if you look at his defensive playmaking, it's like a hundred spots higher. So he's still able to produce some turnovers. But also, like if you look into it deeper again, like his his role is not point of attack defender anymore. He doesn't do that. He's a helper. He's away from this. He doesn't do it that often. He's very very good at communicating. He's very good at rotating. He's very good at like handing players off. So like he still does provide defensive value, but. I think we could agree Kyle Lowry as your point of attack, man, for an entire playoff run at age like 49, that's not a great idea. He probably just doesn't have the foot speed anymore to like laterally move with players, but you dig into it deeper. You're like, Oh, the defensive playmaking it's not good, but you're like, Oh, there's still like some, some value there. And again, he's not being used to defend because he's in our help role. Cause uh, it just looks at how often you're doing it. Like where you are on the court, how often you're doing things. So, that goes down. We covered everybody, so basically, it's like it's like nugget heat, nugget heat going down. Then there's a bunch of heat guys in the middle, and then you know Jamal Murray, Aaron Gore, and they're a little bit lower on the the total perimeter defense grade. So if I was gonna, oh, real quick before I pick a team, one thing that's kind of interesting. So Tyler Hero broke his hand in the first round, and Hero, you know, not a defensive player, not known for that, but does provide scoring impact because you know it's a trade off whenever you have guys you know, on the court, it's like, okay, am I trying to get a little more defense with Haywood Highsmith? He's not really a scorer. Or am I trying to get more offense with Hero? Hero hasn't played. And I saw a report where he was like, yeah, no, there's like still soreness in his hand. That's why he hasn't come back. He's close. Maybe he could play in the finals. But then he even said, he's like, I don't know if I want to mess up this chemistry. And I think that's interesting and just honest, because I think we all have like thought that where it's like, he does provide scoring punch, which is good, but it's like, He also, like, this is a magical run they're on. Does this this help or hurt? Who does he take playing time away from? Yada, yada, yada. But 267th in our total perimeter defense grade. That, any way you slice it, is bad. He's not good at anything on the perimeter. He's very, very bad at it. And I wonder if that was one of the things that made this defense click. Because they were already a really good defense. And then basically their weakest link got hurt. I don't know how they figured out the offense. Like, I'm not like at the beginning of the playoffs, like, oh, if Tyler Hero breaks his hand, this team's going to be way better. (laughs) Like, you just wait. If Tyler Hero can somehow break his hand, that's really what will – the catalyst to this run will be that. No, I I don't know why you'd say that. But it is interesting that these bench players that are pretty good perimeter defenders obviously are going to take his minutes when he's hurt. And provide, I mean, it's pretty different having like the 50th or like 60th best perimeter defender in the league or the 270th or whatever Tyler Heroes around. Like, that's a really, really big change. Uh, flip side of that though, if we're just talking injuries. So the, the heat and blues hero, who's really, really bad, but then Victor Oladipo also hurt. And he's actually quite good. I mean, he was like, he was 49th. So he's top 50. So he's a really, really good defensive player, tons of defensive playmaking out of him. He's top 20 defensive playmaker on the perimeter this year. So uh, you, with the injuries, you kind of, you lost a guy that was good. You lost a guy that was bad. So I don't know, if they're all healthy, maybe their defense is better because Depot's better, or whatever. I don't want to play the what-if game with injuries. But if we're just looking at perimeter defenders, who do you take as a team? Because the numbers say that the Nuggets are a little more top-heavy with KCP and Bruce Brown, but the Heat are deeper because they got Jimmy Butler, they got Caleb Martin, they got the, I just like saying his name, Haywood Highsmith. Uh, and then you got Gabe Vincent. So it's it's tough, it's tough. I don't know who. I mean, Jamal Murray was a little bit of a surprise. He wasn't as bad as I thought he'd be. And again, some of what hurts his value is being taken into the post by people that are fifty pounds heavier than him, and that's a that's a little bit of a different animal, right? But I don't know. It's tough because even like Gordon, you know, you look at his just his guarding ability, and he moves up like fifty slots, and you're like, okay, we're not going to defensive playmaking, which does matter, but Gordon's ability to guard well and guard a really high variety of players is impactful. So, hmm, because like, I want to lean heat because they have kind of the depth that that's higher on the list. But then you're like, Aaron Gordon has like a little bit of a wild card element that the other guys just don't really have like Gabe Vincent can't guard. Actually, Gabe Vincent's a pretty tough dude. <laughs> actually, guard, Gabe Vincent actually guards up decently well. Um, but you know what I mean? Aaron Gordon could like, <laughs> he could guard up to like guard a stone statue. He's huge. Hmm. I didn't actually have an answer when I hit record. I probably, like normally I do, but sometimes I don't. I should just keep in. I, so norm- this happens sometimes where if I need to make a decision on something during a podcast when I'm alone, I'll just I'll just sit in silence, right? Because you just cut out the, the space in between, right? That's the magic of editing. Sometimes it's kind of a long time or, you know, sometimes I'll like, put the microphone down and I'll do a little research and then I'll like record the last little bit. But I'm just staring at this list, and I was like, "Huh, what if I didn't cut it like how long would people how long would people wait through the silence? I don't know who I'd take as, per, like your perimeter defensive shell of these players Wow, they're really evenly matched. These teams are very evenly matched in in this regard. Hmm. This makes me actually think like the series would be a little because I, I talked about this before. I was like, I feel like it's either going to be a sweeper six, where I was like, either, you know, the Nuggets offense is just going to overwhelm and, you know, it's all she wrote. Or, you know, the, the Heat will do what they always do and they'll start getting, they'll just start fighting with you. And then before you know it, both teams have a black eye. But like the Heat are like <laughs> anime characters smiling. They're like happy they got in a fight because they're crazy. Um, is, can I not pick? I guess there's no one here. There's no one forcing me to pick. I think this is a push. Wow, what an anticlimactic end to this podcast. I think these teams are close enough to where I actually don't have a preference, and I think that's okay. I think that's an answer you're allowed to have. Not that like I'm scared to make a decision because that I'm like I got no time for that. When an analyst is like, oh, you know what, this is a little too risky to be wrong. It's like, come on, yeah, these they're just actually like equal in my mind like where they're sure there's some variance where it's like one team can play better in a game or even in a season like again like i said these numbers can be rearranged but i'm like no this is actually a place where they're even and the analyst in me is like you just have to like be honest (laughs) so yeah i i don't pick one i pick both i pick both so uh, the perimeter that that I don't know what you want to call it. That was the a, analyzing the total perimeter defense grade of all the players on the Nuggets and the Heat, looking at your ability to guard, your ability to defensive playmake. I, mean, I don't even have time. This podcast went long. I was going to rant about Jokic and his his forty point double double and like you. <laughs> Talk about greatness. You're having a 40-point double-double, and it's like, whew, The Pete really got away tactically with that. Like, that really, they turned him into a scorer. This is going really well. It's like, how good do you have to be for a 40-point double-double to be like, well, at least he didn't dominate the game like he normally does? That's the miniature version of that rant. I won't do the full one because I, I don't know. This episode's already pretty long. But, uh, yeah, uh, overall, the perimeter defensive grades of these teams are pretty even we went through in depth looking at these teams but these these teams have pretty good overall defensive shells i think you you know you watch it you're like okay yeah yeah, there's there's definitely some talent out here but uh it's gonna wrap it up my name's taylor if you want to talk to me on twitter at taylormetrics and we will see you i will see you on the next episode of the basketball index podcast